Hello and welcome on The Barricades. This is a podcast produced by Eastern European journalists and academics. I'm your host, Maria Cernat, an academic based in Bucharest. And with me, as usual, the co-host of the show, the Bulgarian-born Polish journalist, Bojan Stanislavski. Thank you for being here with us. And our special guests, we have two guests coming from Bulgaria, Arto Artinian, an academic philosopher, and also Bojin Trajkov, a sociologist, has a PhD from the University of Alberta. So we are going to discuss Bulgaria. <clears throat> In Bulgaria, you had an ongoing political crisis and you had five rounds of parliamentary elections that finally and finally it seems that that um, a coalition was formed what is weird about this coalition is that it is between two major rivals a couple of months ago probably nobody would have thought that these two political parties would form a coalition we are Talking about GERB, that is led by the controversial figure of Boyko Borisov, who was involved in multiple corruption scandals over the long period that he was a prime minister in Bulgaria, and the newly formed political party, and it's actually a political party that was formed when Bulgarians were protesting testing against Boyko Borisov, that is uh, called, we continue the change. And these two political parties are pro-Western and they formed a coalition. The coalition was halted and uh, it was put in danger by a certain Radisnev Vasilev, a Bulgarian politician, a member of We Continue the Change, political party, former member, because he resigned a couple of days ago, and he made available for the public recordings where we can hear members of uh, <clears throat> and the management of this uh, political party, we continue the change that is deemed to be an anti-corruption, a very progressive, very pro-European party. And Kirill Petkov and um, Asen Vasilev are discussing uh, very interesting things like having the uh, heads of the security services in Bulgaria vetoed by the embassy. And we discussed in the first part of the show with our guests this very, very weird development where you have people that according to the Bulgarian law and according to common sense should be investigated for treason because you don't have the heads of the security services vetoed by foreign embassies uh, and they are forming the government. We are going now to discuss in the second half another interesting character, another interesting aspect that was revealed once the recordings were made public, and that is Ursula von der Leyen. Apparently, Ursula von der Leyen told Kirill Patkov that uh, he could join Schengen. We know that Bulgaria and Romania were kept as the poor relatives at the door of Schengen, so to speak, in the sense that nor uh, not Bulgaria or Romania were granted the right to enter this place where you can travel between countries without showing the password. I'm saying this for the viewers that are watching from Canada or US. And um, 
it will be a victory, a political victory for the ones that managed to get our countries into this space. And uh, apparently Ursula von der Leyen made very interesting comments. Now, I was not able, I'm not, not no Bulgarian, I don't understand this. So I don't understand what was actually the conversation. So this is why I would like Arto to explain for the viewers what was the role of Ursula von der Leyen in, in this discussion that was made available for the public. And what are the implications? And I will go now to Arto and ask him to, to comment on that. Well, in summary, basically, in the recording, Kirill Petkov, who's the co-leader of the Continuing the Change Party, says that basically he says, oh, I just went and I talked to, by the way, Ursula von der Leyen. And I said, listen, if we do this... Ursula, because they want to pretend they're buddies somehow. Like Yes, like Ursula, like on a first name basis. You know, if, you know, can you help us sort of get into Schengen and then just the whole Euro thing kind of like, you know, under the table, so to speak. And she says, yeah, but you know, there are a lot of rules. But essentially she says, yeah, I can, we can basically work it out. Which is very interesting because first it just shows you the cynicism of these losers. It shows you how all this talk about, oh, the European bureaucracy is rule-based. It's rule-based. It's beyond human passions and corruption of the poor Eastern European primitive races, you know, because all that behavior is associated <laughs> with the Greeks, with the Poles, with the Bulgarians, the Romanians. You know? This is rule-based, the European Union. You meet the standards and you come in. It's not like that. This is proof. It's not like that. It's political, which, of course, it always is. So... Basically, it showed that Bulgaria's ascension into Schengen or the euro or whatever is simply a political tool of leverage. And if, if that is seen as a worthy political goal by the, political, by the Bulgarian political classes who transmit that through the media to the voter, to the ordinary citizens, then the political party that can make that happen is going to be the good party and the progressive party, right? That's the image. But what is the truth? The truth is that can happen through undemocratic, anti-democratic, private, con informal conversations circumventing the entire formal political structures of the European Union. So at the very basic, it shows, to me at least, the true face of this confederation, the European Union, which is nothing but a colonial relationship. It's a colonial relationship where a representative of the powerful because Ursula von der Leyen, she doesn't have the uh, intellectual capabilities or the political capabilities or experience to make those decisions. She's just a figurehead. That she, the, the powerful powers that be in the European Union can bend the rules whenever necessary. And all of a sudden, Bulgaria's ascension to the Eurozone could happen just like this, irrespective of its inflation rate, its, its, its government budget's uh, deficit percentage, and all these rules that were so German and so you know, orderly. It's all a lie. <laughs> That's what this, this off-the-cuff, informal kind of talk about what Kirill Petkov told his friend Ursula on first-name basis. For Think about these people, first of all. They talk to each other. They refer to each other as if they're friends. You know, there's no gravity of the statesman, you know, like you know, referring to another, you know. So that's what I got out of it. It just shows the shallowness yeah. of this political structure. It's fakeness, you know, relative to the public image, you know. 
Well, I want to go now to uh, Bojin, and you're a sociologist. Please tell me more about the reactions in Bulgaria. Prior to us starting the recordings, you said that there was a person that really took it up and tried to analyze what does it mean for the Bulgarian society to have this type of relationship with Europe, I mean the facade of having the rules and having rule-based uh, uh, democracy and uh, cooperation and all of that, and then the informal talks where you just discuss with the boss and he tells you what strings to pull to, to solve your problems. Uh, we can't hear you. You have to unmute. Okay, now we can hear you. Uh, it is interesting that the previous uh, prime minister, the infamous Boyko Borisov, used to say, "I'm going to do what I'm uh, ordered by the bosses." Which, and and by that he meant the actually the European Commission, the 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 so-called Troika in the European Union, and of course the United States. So this kind of talk he thought is uh, successful and it's kind of like uh, he thought that he's uh, winning some uh, uh, political points by doing that uh, in terms of his vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis his electorate. And I guess he was uh, right in that sense because uh, interestingly enough, there's still core electorate for, for Boyko Borisov and his, and his party. And of course, it's a symbiosis like Boyko Borisov and his party are one and the same. I don't, I don't really consider them kind of like a separate entity where some people from the party would disagree with what Boyko Borisov is saying. So it's a kind of a at like a pyramid where Boyko is uh, speaking to the bosses and then he's the boss and then you know the rest of it is the part the party is basically under uh his control and uh so on but in terms of reactions uh social react like in terms of the reactions of uh the, the public and the society in, in society in general they of course they would vary but for the most part the anger and discontent is uh, quite prevalent, uh, and especially when we consider uh, Bulgarians, uh, Bulgarians, uh, common Bulgarians' uh, reaction towards this uh, uh, Euro uh, acceptance problem, like the problem of basically uh, getting into the Eurozone and getting into into Schengen. That's uh, not very well. Kind of uh, looked at uh, from um, um, by majority of Bulgarian people, and and that's understandable because for the most part, losers of this uh, situation in this current in this current uh, economic climate and uh, with uh, with this uh, level of inflation, with this uh, also with. Uh, the um, salaries that the the salaries that Bulgarians are are getting, the working class would would be the biggest loser. The working poor would be the biggest uh, loser. The middle, the whatever can be considered middle class here would also be the biggest loser. So for the most part, uh, there are not that much, not not that many uh, winners uh, uh, inside the Bulgarian, inside Bulgarian society. Uh, and uh, so this is uh, uh, a problem that um, uh, when we, when we think about the fact that there is the, one of the major 
successful political mobilizations of Azerbaijan is an attempt for referendum along this question. It becomes clear that but for the viewers, you should tell uh, for the viewers, was Drajne this this party? Tell us more about it because I don't know if other people from outside Bulgaria know about it. Yeah, in a nutshell, it considers itself a nationalist party, but uh, what uh, and it has very strong. Uh, Uh, anti-US and anti-EU rhetoric, but at the same time, it has this, um, I, I would call it a hybrid of various political ideo, like speaking various political ideologies and various political rhetoric. So on the one hand, it has an anti-colonial message and speaking of the Bulgarian relationship vis-a-vis -vis the United States and the European Union as uh, being colonized by them and, and Bulgaria is being a, a colony or new colony, if you will. Uh, and it, uh, on the and so it has this uh, and the, the reason I think for its success recently, which it became third, uh, it's the third party in Bulgaria right now, is because it uh, has a very strong anti-war message in the sense that uh, it strongly is opposed to any kind of involvement of Bulgaria in this current uh, conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine. And uh, it, which means also sanctions against Russia. So it get it it got it got this uh, approval uh, because for the most part Bulgarians are uh, worried about uh, uh, the, the 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 question of whether it will get involved further and further into this uh, conflict. So yeah, and uh, so I think this is this is basically. Um, why Vozrajdani uh, is uh, becoming um, uh, it had uh, become uh, such a has such a success because this is a, a major success for them since uh, their previous results were way 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 less uh, I mean they had like less than eight percent or something like that in in the elections and now okay. I will go now to, to Boyan and uh, ask about this, this pattern that we are seeing. Two former rivals that are forming a coalition. And this is so bizarre. I mean, let's ignore for the moment, for the sake of the discussion, the fact that those recordings were leaked. But what really brings together these political parties since Continue the Change was actually formed to fight Borisov. And now they are forming a coalition with him. I mean, this is so weird and bizarre. And this also mm. happened in Romania in the sense that you had the national liberals portraying the, the social democrats in the worst possible colors in the sense that the social democrats were worse than Satan. And then they formed the political, after a prolonged political crisis, they formed the coalition. How come? Well, I will, I will reply to you with a saying that I heard. Uh, I, I wish I was the author of that phrase. Uh, I can't even quite remember who actually uh, who coined it. But there is this saying in Bulgaria that in Bulgaria, the only... The only spontaneous occurrences are the abortions. Oh, everything else is planned. So uh, I would say that, uh, you know, it shouldn't be really surprising to anyone who has 
basic fundamental knowledge of how the Bulgarian internal processes have been going on for the last couple of decades. But I will say this. You ask the question, what factor brings together two parties that hate each other in theory and actually in practice? I mean, you know, when you uh, when you come to discuss with people that are close to uh, uh, to the parliamentary life in Bulgaria, they will tell you, for example, journalists, or, but not only, they will tell you that, you know, people from We Continue to Change, Kirill Petkov's party, would not even... Uh, would not even want to discuss or sit next to people who are from Gerb, from Boyko Borisov's party, right? So there was an obvious, mm-hmm. there was this obvious history. Now, what factor brings them together? Well, the factor that has been revealed in the leaks as, or has been identified in the leaks as the embassy. So the embassy brings them together and the embassy is overseeing the process of forming the government in Bulgaria right now in this difficult situation from the point of view of the embassy. And uh, I, I believe that it must have gone something, it must have gone more or less like this. So the American ambassador would actually invite Kirill Petkov, Hasan Vasilev, the co-leaders of the We Continue to Change, and Boyko Borisov, or someone from the side of the Boyko Borisov's party. He would put them around one table, with I don't know, buy them coffee or something stronger, and would tell them, like, ladies and gentlemen, now, look, I understand that there are some differences between you. You have, like, different histories. You come from different places and stuff like that. But please, I mean, figure it out, because there are serious matters here for you, okay? I mean, I've got some serious tasks for you to, you know, to complete. And this is how it, uh, like, of course, I mean, I have no internal information, no, nothing of that, that, that kind was leaked. I'm just speculating of how it might have gone. And I think it must have been something like that, whether, whereas it was in the embassy or in a cafe or, I don't know, in a park or in one of the cabinets of the, in the office of the party. This is, this is the process. The process is the American embassy ambassador or someone from the American embassy pushes a button and gives them an idea as to what are they being expected to do. And uh, in this instance, it's very dangerous, in my opinion, because this government, I don't believe it's going to last long if it, if it actually is formed. And it seems like they are making all, all the efforts at any price they do want to have that government. And if this is so, that they do want to have a government in Bulgaria amidst... Uh, you know, an architecture, parliamentary architecture, which is critical. So obviously we are talking about a prolonged Mm -hmm. crisis taking place uh, since two years, right? It's been taking place uh, or or has been playing itself out. And if they are really so preoccupied with Bulgaria not having a government and, and, and if they are pressing so hard, that means, or that's at least for me, the only logical conclusion, that they want a functional functioning government for a short while to pass through, to accept and to push uh, through all the parliamentary procedures, some legal acts that will involve Bulgaria directly in the war with Ukraine. And then they don't care. Then the government can fall. Then, you know, then they don't care anymore. And uh, I think that's, that's the point here. That's uh, also, I mean, the question of, you know, the question of Ursula von der Leyen or Ursula, as Kirill Petkov referred to her, you know, I spoke to Ursula, like they, they really, they really want to pretend like they're buddies. And, uh, and that, what Arto said was very powerful, I think. But also there's this point 
what what the hell how come suddenly after all after many years of rejection and you know putting us in the waiting room and you know all the rest of it we we were not able we're not prepared to join schengen we're not prepared to join the euro uh, the eurozone which uh, by the way i believe we are not okay uh if we are to actually adhere to the standards that are officially in place so uh why why is it well that the answer to that uh, the only logical answer since there are no other suggestions is that they are very afraid of this referendum initiative which has been suggested oh not suggested but actually is is organized by this uh anti-imperialist uh kind of nationalistic party revival vazrajdane i was mentioned here a couple of times so vazrajdane is the bulgarian word for revival and and you mm-hmm. know for all i know now i haven't been following that for a few weeks now but for all i know they've called random organized but they have collected enough which means that in bulgaria there is like this if you collect this and that amount then you have to have a referendum due to the states i think we you... lost you we lost we lost you for a few minutes so you say that this revival party wants to organize a referendum on whether bulgaria should get involved in the conflict in ukraine no. and they no, no, want no. to make no. No, no 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 i wasn't saying that i just said that uh they want to organize and they are actually organizing already a referendum whether bulgaria should join the eurozone that's what they're doing and that's why oh. Yes, and that was the, the main slogan of their of uh, the, the kind of main activity, the main spin, so to say, of their uh, electoral uh, election campaign, pre-election campaign, and and they've gathered enough signatures not only to have the referendum organized, but also to have the the results of the referendum binding, which means that in Bulgaria there is this law that if you collect this and that amount of signatures, then the state institutions are obliged to organize a referendum, but they're not necessarily. To t- obliged to take into consideration the results of that referendum whereas if you collect i don't know half a million or 600,000 i'm i'm sorry i'm making up the number right now i don't i don't remember mm-hmm. uh, what the law exactly states with regards to that but uh, they've collected more than is needed for uh, for either of those procedures so like now if they organize this referendum then bulgaria will simply not be able legally speaking to actually act you know join the eurozone because the referendum uh results which i presume and that's that's also the presumption of most people that i've spoken to in bulgaria the results of the referendum would be devastating for the euro uh so you know that's why now they want to bypass all the procedures that's why ursula and kirill you know they have to have their secret conversations in order to uh, somehow fast track bulgaria into the eurozone regardless of you know all the inflation rates and you know budget deficits and 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 the the actual the, the actual non-existent of, of real economy in Bulgaria which is the biggest the major i would say economic problem so we're we're talking about we're talking about national corruption cheating and and uh, and everything at the expense of bulgarians and everything only in order to prevent the results of 
of the only genuinely political social process that I've seen over the past couple of years in Bulgaria, which is the organization of this referendum. We, you can you can think whatever you want about this party. Like you can agree or disagree with them. I mostly disagree with them on most aspects, but they are the only anti-imperialist party and they are the only party that actually does something politically and it's effective. So, you know, this is this is the reason. The reason is, let us... Wow, very interesting. So, Arto, I would like you to, to probably comment on that. And uh, do you think that, that they will be able to fast-track Bulgaria into the Eurozone despite the attempts to actually ask the Bulgarian people if they feel they're ready to join? I think what the leaks have shown and how fast they were able to, like Boyan said, these parties that really hate each other to very quickly come and get along perfectly and organize a government together, which sounds like a logical contradiction. And I mean, it's a slap in the face of their, the people who voted for them. But I think all that shows is that Maria, as Machiavelli would have said in politics, you know, or, you know, Bismarck or whatever, politics is the art of the possible. The only hard rules in politics from the point of view of the cynical people who are in power today in our <laughs> part of the world, the only thing certain is that they are going to do whatever achieves their goals. So I'm totally convinced that they can bring Bulgaria into the EU, fast track Bulgaria. They can they can make, you know, socialists call themselves the opposite and others call them, you know, all of the categories can be overturned in politics in order to achieve the goal of the war, uh, of the of the of the forces that are pushing for the war, uh, and for Bulgaria to enter the war or the EU, except if there is somehow a national, mass popular, resistance movement, and the only thing that could happen is through political organization, media campaigns, and activation of millions of Bulgarians' common sense beliefs about where Bulgaria should go, which in many cases are the instincts are correct, of course. So I think to answer your question, I think it's very possible that the European uh, Union bureaucrats and the Americans can very easily achieve what they want to achieve as far as Bulgarian foreign policy is concerned, enter into the EU, join the war against in the, in the Ukraine against the Russians. They can achieve all those things in the absence of a massive political mobilization of ordinary Bulgarians who would hit the streets and protests, you know, media, you know, journalists who would, you know, uh, shed light on the anti-democratic, anti-constitutional aspects of such moves and the derp deeply harmful things that are happening to, to, to Bulgaria as a society if Bulgaria enters this horrific war or it joins the EU and, and the living standards the of Bulgarians. EU, but, but the Eurozone, because you are already in the EU, but the Eurozone... In, the Eurozone, I mean, the... and, and then the, 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 the life, the living standards of Bulgarians, like Bojin said, would drastically be reduced even more because of the currency shift and the according raises of prices. All of these things can easily happen because the ruling elites are cynical enough and they're completely anti-democratic. I think to me, that's this is what's happening. This is a completely anti-democratic political system, which is the, called the European Union, you know, the European Commission. Uh, if these conversations indeed had happened between Ursula and, and Petkov, and there's no reason to believe that they haven't because he's talking to a close circle of, of, of co-friends and co-party members, this shows that this is a very anti-democratic, very 
um, authoritarian political system, which is afraid of the average person, of the ordinary people. And I think that's their problem. And I think that's why they're bound to lose historically, because we're talking about a very small amount of people who are essentially making decisions that are binding for millions in closed doors while pretending to do the opposite, which is the worst, which is the real problem. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, Bojin, for the last minute, do you think it's possible to see what Arto is saying, a major uprising in Bulgaria that would change the political landscape and the political arena and, and everything? Well, um... I can't I can't really uh, make such a prog prognosis, but what I wanted to add is that uh, things are not that uh, bleak. Uh, we, uh, as a matter of fact, we have not talked about anti-war protests that have been organized and now will be organized for the sixth or, or seventh time. So there has been uh, anti-war protests that started. Uh, that have been going on for the last maybe year, and it is interesting. The organizers of the protests are quite an, an, a diverse group. Uh, we have intellectuals there. We have like uh, pro professors of uh, social uh, sciences. Uh, uh, we have uh, certain types of activists that I wouldn't uh, like. I would call. Uh, I wouldn't call part of the uh, NGO civil society. Like I would call. I would call it a form of alternative uh, civil society and various other uh, groups uh, there. Uh, the question is: Is this enough? Um, I don't think that uh, 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 protests that are being. Uh, um, you know, protests that are um, peaceful protests would be enough in this situation. Uh, I think there needs to be other forms of resistance. I think there needs to be some forms of civil disobedience, probably, in order for, uh, you know, for the powers that be to realize that enough is enough, that there is some kind of uh, something that hits hard, something that is going to actually... Uh, make them uh, think more about uh, their kind of arrogance and their their belief that they are uh, above everything and above the Bulgarian kind of the majority of Bulgarian mm -hmm. population because that's how they feel like right now. They, they are very arrogant. They're basically uh, thinking that they are some kind of crusaders of the Euro-Atlantic values and I don't really know if this is the ideological drive or this is a combination between both <laughs> personal interest, personal profiteering and uh, some uh, resemblance of new liberal ideological zeal, but uh, we don't know that, but okay. uh, yeah. So let's hope that this happens and you'll have also protests. We haven't had, had that in, in Romania, so in this respect, you are more advanced than us. Thank there you for your comments. There is one, just to, to, to uh, there is yes. one coming up on 18th of June right now, which is going to be in at least 30 Bulgarian cities, organized by the very same wow. group that has been organizing these protests. Yes, and but, but yeah, I just want to ask. I just want to ask for the end, uh, Bujin and Arto. Can you just tell us if you feel that there is any potential on the part of this Vazrajdane slash revival party? Uh, for, because that, that's what they were saying for the last 72 hours. They were saying, like, if you even dare to form this government, we're going to bring out the entire nation out in the streets. We're going to block all the roads, all the, you know, 
I, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just grandstanding, but maybe there is something to it. Do you think they are able to actually mobilize people? I mean, obviously, probably not to, to the extent that they imagine or they, they declare, but to, to the extent that would be enough to actually disrupt this rotten machinery. I'll be very brief. Uh, I hope so. Uh, yeah, they managed to mobilize par uh, people around the question of COVID and the Eurozone. Uh, that They have been quite successful in that sense. Uh, but I don't know if they will succeed in terms of <laughs> the most pressing thing, which is the war. So I hope so also. And I hope they work together with the, with the movement for or peace and neutrality that Bojin talked, I hope that because they haven't worked together officially. So I hope they join forces in the name of peace and neutrality in Bulgaria. Um, I also think, I don't, I hope so. I don't know, but I also think that the pro-war embassy forces in Bulgaria, which are basically the, the yellow paved stoners that they say in Bulgaria, the Zhotopovetnici, I think they're pretty small too. Oh, yeah. oh, they are couple, very small. They are very they're small. Very small. You're absolutely right. Thousand. They just have... They have huge backing. That's the only, yeah. yeah. So I think if we talk about democratic kind of politics, street politics and protesting and civil disobedience, I think the numbers are probably on Vazrajdane and the Committee for Peace and Neutrality side, you know, so, which is good. Wow, very interesting. I told you, we, we don't even have discussions of something like this. And it was a protest organized, an anti-war protest, and I think six people turned out. And there was also a protest and some of the students went with the signs saying Russia out of Ukraine, NATO out of existence, and the organizers of the protest called the police to kick them out, calling them Russian agents. So this is the situation here. So there is hope, <laughs> you know, Bulgaria looks like we have something to learn from you. Uh, in terms of pro-peace mobilization, uh, thank you so much for your comments, the discussion. I think it was very informative and interesting. To the viewers, if you like what you saw, so you can support us. We have a small community very much for your effort. You can find us at the barricade.com slash the barricade. Patreon.com slash the barricade. Always forget the, the link. Uh, and you can also follow us in the links available in the description. Thank you so much again for watching and see you all in the next segment of our show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.